Oh my gosh, it's been forever. I feel like since we've talked. I was like, okay, I think, well, pandemic, it was pre-pandemic when I was in your studio. So, and before the baby. So I think it's been two years. Wow. Two years. That's insane. Oh my gosh. It goes by fast. The time goes by fast. And well, I was thinking, I was like, you are the perfect person for done, not perfect. Because like, that was like your advice in line at the girl boss rally at the podcast class. You're like, just get it done. It doesn't have to be perfect right now. (laughs) Right. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be perfect, but we tell ourselves it has to be perfect. And so we get stuck in this like freeze mode and we don't take action. And <laughs> or so we then, do just a few years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, then it takes years and years, but I know because that happened to me, you know? All right. So are we just going to get into it? Go for it, sis. <laughs> so Christine and I met at the girl boss rally at a podcast event, which I thought like they were going to teach me how to like monetize my podcast, but it was all about like how to start your podcast. And I already knew that because I already had, this was like my second podcast. The first one I had was uh, sugar and spice and not so nice. (laughs) And I wanted it to be about like, cause I love reality TVs shows. I was even on, I was even casted to be on big brother, but I I really didn't go through with it because my anxiety, my stress, my panic took over. And so I bowed out. So I'm like the one person in uh, big brother history to have ever bowed out. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, before (laughs) the show even started. Um, (laughs) So I had started a podcast and I was going to do it all about like reality shows and I was going to gossip about the Kardashians and everything. But after a couple episodes, like I felt completely out of alignment. Um, I didn't like feeling like here I am, I'm another person talking shit about someone. And I thought to myself, like, if I would have gone through with big brother, I would have had multiple people talking shit about me and digging up my shit, my past. Yeah. And so I was completely out of alignment and I ended up turning the whole thing off. I shut down my podcast, um, my gut, my, uh, my guest, um, not guest, my co-host also was um, not wanting to drive all the way to my house. And we kind of like argued a lot about like, you know, how much I was putting in versus how much she was putting in. And so I ended up just shutting it down. I said, I don't want to deal with the conflict. I feel completely out of alignment anyway. Like, I just don't want to do this. And so just for, was like, you just want to like, Ugh, right. Get it off. Yeah. It was just like a lot. So after a year, um, like people were messaging me, Hey, are you ever going to do another podcast? And honestly, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and during that year I had joined a, uh, women's group. It was supposed to be like women's empowerment. And it was going to be like, uh, we're going to help you build businesses and we're going to encourage one another. And I was like, yes, sign me up, you know? (laughs) And I did this whole weekend at this women's empowerment group that was actually run by a man. And like leaving there, I felt more broken than I felt inspired. Oh, wow. And I remember telling my husband, like, I just, I don't know. It's like they wanted me to uncompartmentalize all of the trauma, all of the abuse, all of the stuff that I experienced as a child. And, and here I am, I'm like, I spent years compartmentalizing it and putting in neat little boxes and putting it away and moving forward from my life. But it was like, as if, 
just picture like a closet with all of your deepest, darkest secrets. And they just went in there and opened <laughs> all the boxes and now I'm broken open. Yeah. And so I, I remember coming home, just crying and telling my husband, like, I just, I just feel like there's so much more that I still have to unpack. And um, so I signed up for their next thing. Um, and again, it's still being run by men. And I remember we were doing like mastermind and stuff. And one of the women who was experiencing her husband being abusive uh, was sitting in the chair. It was like an online Zoom kind of a thing. So people had to like, you know, call in and watch this woman basically yeah. get berated by the so-called teacher um, and kind of like questioning whether or not she was the one that caused the abuse what? <laughs> yeah. And, no. and so here I am, I'm like at home, just kind of like doing my own thing. And as kind of like passively listening. And when he said something like, well, where do you take fault in this abuse that triggered me? And I quickly was like, like the anger started to fill my body in every cell. And I just remember thinking she had no, no matter what she did, she could have acted like a loony bin. He had no right to lay hands on her yeah, at all, absolutely. at all. And so I was just kind of like, okay, this guy doesn't understand like to how to be a coach to women. Like he doesn't understand. And it, I like quietly sent him a private Facebook message. And I simply said, like, when I do things, I do it 110%. And I feel like I'm only giving like maybe 50 to 60%. And, and I just don't have the time for it right now. You don't have to give me a refund. It was like $2,000. I was like, you know, just donate it to somebody else. Like, I don't, I just don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even say why I didn't want to be a part of it. I just said politely, you know, trying to be the nice girl, like we always are taught <laughs> yeah. as a female. Um, I said, I don't want to be a part of it. And so he quickly took a screenshot of what I had written, put it in the main group where all the other females could read it. And Dude. <laughs> instead of thinking like, I thought I was going to get some like, Hey girl, I got your back. I totally understand. It was so nice <laughs> meeting you. No, I got the yeah. complete opposite. It was this, it was if, as if I was just like in this room and everybody turned around and it started attacking me. And I got, I got videos of these women being vile, calling me a cunt, a bitch, saying that I hide behind filters. Fuck? Yeah. Like um, I was a coward. I wasn't a warrior. I wasn't this. And that I was like a complete, like, how could you do that? Like I was letting everybody down. And I was like, what the hell? Where does this come from? Well, I also have <laughs> a mean streak of me because I did grow up with abuse. So I know how to protect myself. So I, in that yeah. moment, I lost my shit and I left a video and I was like, fuck you, fuck you. Um, like, I'm no one's cool. Shit. Yeah. I was like, no one is cool. I was like, you guys. Guys don't know what the hell you're doing you're throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something fucking sticks and I was like you have no clue how to coach women and I was like if you think you're going to come after me here's my address I'll be waiting for you outside <laughs> because at that moment I was so enraged and yeah. so like how dare you like you guys are adding to the abuse of the woman sitting in the chair Absolutely. and you don't even understand what a person who's experienced abuse goes through in their own mind Mm -hmm. Um, and, and coming from someone who grew up with abuse and <clears throat> not only had abusive, an abusive mom, but had abusive boyfriends, abusive friends, 
and abusive bosses, like both physically, mentally, and toxic people around her all of her life. So I know what that woman is thinking in the chair. And so, um, like that first day, I was just kind of like all over the place with my emotions. I remember crying in my room and my husband said, well, what did you expect from this group? Like, what were you expecting? And I said, I just wanted a community of women where we were honest with one another, where we sat in each other's darkness, where we had empathy and compassion and showed love and tenderness and not judged. And, and he was like, then why don't you build this group yourself? <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Right. And so yeah. for like, um, a good couple of months, like my, my husband would just kept asking me these, you know, empowering questions, kind of like, you know, open-ended questions so that my brain would start thinking in that movement, you know? And, yeah. um, I remember we were both working in, a, in an office together. We had a small WeWork office where we would uh, face each other's backs. <laughs> and uh, he just like randomly asked me, like, what would you, if you were to build this community, what would you call it? And I thought to myself, like at, at that moment, as I'm sitting there, um, of everything that happened, because it was really still fresh in my mind. When something like that happens to you and everyone attacks you, it, it stays fresh in your mind. And I just remember thinking how fearless I was at that moment. Yeah. How even though this guy who was running this uh, women's group, who was six foot three, over 300 pounds, um, was trying to attack me and my character, how all these women were coming after me and calling me every name in the book. I was like standing up for myself. And I was like, I would call it fearless female. And right then within 20 minutes, he turns around. And he says, I bought it. I'm like, bought what? <laughs> and he goes, I bought fearlessfemale.com. And I said, why did you do that? I got so mad yeah. because now it was like, I have to take Game action. On. Right. Yes. But then for an entire year, once he bought fearlessfemale.com, I sat in this place of like frozen. I was frozen because I was like paralyzed with the thought that I didn't feel like I was fearless enough to call myself the fearless female, because I'm still afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of heights. And to be the leader and, of it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, what, how is this going to be? What is it going to, you know? And every night I would have these conversations with my husband and he's like, cause I would be like, I can't believe you spent that much money. Cause it wasn't a cheap URL. It wasn't like, you know, available for everybody. It was very expensive. It was like, and so I'm like, I can't believe you spent that money. Like, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> and, and he would tell me, he was like, you may think you're not fearless, but pale you are. You've done so much in your life on your own and you've been successful at it. And he's like, and maybe you're not fearless, but you're on the journey to becoming fearless and everyone's going to want to join you on that journey. And that's where the first like aha moment was like, oh, I'm going to name the podcast journey of a fearless female. And I'm going to tell my story, but I'm also going to interview other women and tell their stories so that they can also be inspired that we can go through anything like the deepest, darkest, you know, nights of the soul. We can go through the fire, but it will refine us and become, we become something else. And, you know, after we go through all of that torment, all of that pain, all of that sorrow, it redefines who we are. Our soul is now completely a different soul. 
And because of that, it has equipped us with all of these new tools to be able to help others. And so that's where it started. It started with just a podcast. And I've got to tell you, Christine, um, the first episode I I recorded it like over 15 times and it's only like, if you, if you go back, it's like the first one is only like 30, you know, maybe three or four minutes. Yeah. And I, I recorded it. Like I wrote it out. I was like, Oh my God, I've got it. It's gotta be perfect. It's gotta be perfect. You know, I, I gotta get people to like this. And, um, and even after I hit record and I published it, I laid in my bed with this panic and anxiety <laughs> that everyone was going to judge it that people were going to make fun of me, that people were going to criticize me, that I was going to get all these people. I just imagined exactly what those women did to me, you know, like leaving me vile videos and telling me, who do you think you are? And calling me a cunt and a bitch and blah, 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 all these things. I literally sat in that fear for a long time. And every time for a good six months to almost 10 months, every episode I published, I had that fear, like, I'm going to get a backlash. I'm going, someone's going to like pick apart something I said, yes. and they're going to throw it, throw it back in my face. And it's been over two years. I think I have 125 episodes in all of the two years that I've been in business. I have gotten two negative comments Two. Awesome. So if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, I really want to start something and your fear mindset is telling you, who do you think you are? Everyone's going to criticize you. No one's going to listen. Who's going to buy from you? You're never going to get a customer. Those are all lies. They truly are just lies. And even if you do encounter one or two negative human beings, you're going to get a plethora of all these other positive human beings who are there to truly support your dream. And I, like, I can't even, I can't even explain like how this has all like come into fruition because it's funny because my best friend just came to my office the other day and she's looking at, and I've been best friends with her since eighth grade. So she's been through me with me through like thick and thin, everything. (laughs) She has seen my transformation and she comes into my office and she's like, wow, this is a real business. (laughs) You've created a real business. And I'm like, yeah. I can't believe that it started with a podcast and then I'm a big, I'm an avid reader. So I'm constantly reading books and I was reading the book, the 12 success principles by Jack Canfield. And I, as I was reading it, I was like, everybody needs to know these principles. I'm going to create a Facebook group. I'm going to invite all my best friends. We're going to do like a, you know, a book club and we're going to do the 12 principles because in every principle there was like an action you had to take and so I was like and then I'm going to challenge him to take action (laughs) and we're going to we're going to be successful together right and so I created this so I didn't know I was coaching I just wanted to share the wisdom of Jack Canfield and so then everything that I came in contact with, which was Oprah and Tony Robbins and Gabrielle Bernstein and Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and everybody that I like came in contact book wise or mm-hmm. podcast wise, or cause I've gone to like 
so many different seminars. I've been to every Tony Robbins seminar. Um, I've seen Jack Canfield live. I've seen Oprah live. I've seen Gabriel Bernstein live. Like I have literally invested so much money in my own spiritual journey because I had to unpack all those things that I compartmentalized. And I had to really heal if I was going to teach people how to heal themselves. And so it just all became this like snowball of events where every time I learned something, I'm like, everybody needs to know this. (laughs) Like everybody. And and I created a Facebook group and it started with like 200 of my closest friends on Facebook. I mean, how close are they really? But you know, like people that you're friends with, because you're like, hey, I'm going to start a Facebook group. Want to join it? It's called the Fearless Female Movement. And it started with 200. Most of them are people I knew like from high school and junior high and college. And then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, within reach. And then all of a sudden they were inviting their friends. And then before I knew it, I had a thousand five hundred. I think I have a thousand four because I had a couple of people that I deleted because you know I have rules. So if you don't yeah. follow the rules, you're not in the group, so, <laughs> right? And so I now I'm a thousand four hundred in that, but still it was hard for me for a long time to even tell people I had a podcast. Um, even I remember sitting next to you, Christine, and you're like, you have a podcast. Oh my God, what is it? And I was like, oh, I, it's journey of a fearless. I didn't really, I was like intimidated because ownership. again, yeah. I didn't want anyone to know that it was mine and to criticize me because mm-hmm. as a child, I was always criticized as anything I did. And no matter how hard I tried, even though I was a straight A student, I was ASB. I was a cheerleader. I was on honor roll. I got scholarship. I did everything. My mom always had a way to break it down and to criticize me. So that Mm -hmm. little bit of me was still in everything that I do. And so I was so afraid to tell people I have a podcast and my (laughs) husband and I would go to dinner and, you know, people would ask like, so what do you do? And my husband, she has a podcast And and he would be so quick to like, you know, um, tell people what I did, but I would be like, stop telling people that. And he's like, you need to own it. Mm-hmm. You are, you have a great podcast. People love your podcast. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. And when I met Christine, I was like, yeah, I have a podcast. And she's like, okay, I'll take a listen. And honestly, I didn't expect her to listen because people <laughs> say that all the time. Everyone right? does, right? Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, I'll go listen. But Christine called me one day or messaged me one day and she said, I listened to every episode (laughs) and I absolutely love your podcast. And she was like, I would love to be a guest on your podcast. I said, yeah, come on in. (laughs) And she drove all the way from San Diego to my small studio. Back then it was a smaller studio. And she was like, wow, this is amazing. And we had such a great interview. I mean, I think one of your interview is one of the top five highest rated interviews on my podcast gave me it was an incredible platform not to talk about myself for too long but like I didn't tell people about all of that trauma and so I was like so like yeah I got this you know my husband's like yeah tell the world like inspire people (laughs) and then I was like oh fuck she's gonna people are gonna hear it you know (laughs) but I felt like I had like an army of women behind me so I was like waiting to deflect people but no one said shit that was negative yeah right I was so surprised so I was like why did I bottle this up for so dang long yeah and that's the thing that like my platform is about see for a long time I thought there was something inherently wrong with me because my mom I was the seventh child and my mom by the time I was born she didn't want to have kids and she told me like to my face I never wanted you I don't want you you know and as a child you question your 
your, yourself. And so I Absolutely. questioned myself for a long time there. Every time something went wrong in my life, there's something inherently wrong with me. There's something inherently, if I lost the job, there's something inherently wrong with me. If a boyfriend broke up with me, there's something inherently wrong with me. If a friend backstabbed me, there's something inherently wrong with me. So that was my like daily question in my head that there was something inherently wrong with me until I realized that I wasn't the only one thinking that. And then when I was starting to be more honest and more vulnerable and allowing people to see my darkness. And I started to realize there was other people in the world that felt this way. And I think social media has, it's bittersweet. Um, Everybody posts their highlights um, (laughs) and nobody posts their their real and their rawness. And I remember um, my last boyfriend before I got married, um, he choked me outside of a restaurant. And I caught him cheating on me. And of course, because I caught him somehow, I was, it was my fault. And (laughs) I was the one that needed to be choked out. And, um, I just remember that day I was in such like all these emotions. Also, I was a little bit drunk. So I posted on Facebook, like this piece of shit cheated on me and he just choked me out and I have bruises and I was, you know, going to post pictures of the bruising. But one person messaged me and said, don't post your drama on Facebook. And I was like, but this is my reality. Right. And that's the thing. Most people don't want to see other fucked up. Right. (laughs) And I wanted people to see this guy and who he was, Yeah, you know, versus like what he had painted on Facebook and on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, it's like, nobody wants to see the darkness of what people go through. They only want to see the highlight reel, but in reality, everybody in the highlight reel has some darkness that they're going through. And that's the thing I wanted people to see each other's darkness. And I wanted people to learn from each other's darkness and learn the wisdom that they um, had figured out through that darkness. And I always, I picture it as like, we're all on this mountain called life, right? And there's all these different places we need to go through, like, you know, the deepest of rivers, the, you know, the deepest of valleys, and there's rocky places. And then there are people that have really good mountain shoes and really good backpacks full of snacks and really good, like walking sticks. And then there are people that are just walking with a t-shirt on their back. And the people that I feel are walking with the t-shirt on their back are the people that grew up with dysfunctional families, with dysfunctional parents, and never got the tools on how to sustain healthy relationships, how to create wealth, how to get education, how to like just navigate life. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's funny because I just did a TikTok video and it it went viral. And some some people were commenting like, well, everybody has dysfunctional family. No, not really. I've actually met so many people that have had loving parents and a stable (laughs) environment growing up, you know, they, that say it's normal have dealt with it until you meet a bunch of people that it's not normal. And then you're like, Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Like when I went to high school and my friends were like, Oh yeah, it's mother's day. Me and my mom are going to go get our nails done. I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah. You do that. Like you guys actually celebrate mother's day. You know, it was just weird to me. Like when my friend would have her mom call her and say, Hey mama, how are you doing? Did you have dinner? What are you going to have? My mom never called. My mom never even called me for my birthday. Like for me, that was like an unfathomable thing. 
And so that's why when people say like, oh, everyone's dysfunctional, not really, because there are so many people with loving, stable family life. And maybe they didn't experience that trauma during their childhood. Maybe they experienced it in high school with bullies or something, or maybe they experienced a toxic husband and, you know, all of a sudden they are dealing with that kind of a behavior or narcissistic behavior because everyone falls for a narcissist. Trust me, it doesn't matter what kind of environment you grew up in. Um, And so like, it just is like all these things happen to us in life. And so for me, I just feel like if we could be honest with our darkness, we can find compassion for one another. We can find empathy for one another and we can help each other. There are people out there with the right tools, the right resources. And, you know, my whole goal is I want to know everything. I'm a researcher at heart. I, (laughs) I read every book I could possibly read. I follow the best coaches and the best self gurus. And I, it's not just woo woo. I I really dig deep into the science with like Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza. And I figure out why, who I am and why I tick the way I tick. And then I, I could help others the same way. And I mean, I've come through this whole like transformational journey for myself. Obviously I'm still evolving, still growing. I still have some deep issues um, from like, you know, cause the trauma runs deep. Some things you're, it's going to take you a long time to heal from, or but even as to long figure out you have, yeah, <laughs> but as long <laughs> as you're moving forward, as long as you're moving forward, that healing will come, you know, as long as you're still doing the work and not accepting that this is what it is. This is how it is. If you don't accept it and you move forward to try to heal yourself, that healing will come eventually. And eventually the Uh, negative trapped emotions that are in your body and your cell will no longer hurt you. And you will be able to live in the wisdom that you learned from your journey. And you'd be able to pass it on to other females and other people who need your wisdom. Yeah. That's awesome. So can you tell us, is that like your emotional coding? Yes. So um, (laughs) (laughs) that was my question. I was like, I got to ask her about this. It's okay. So I uh, was on a flight to Nashville with my husband and I was listening to true crime podcast. Yes. I I don't listen to them as much anymore because it started to really mess with my mind. (laughs) I started to realize like, if I want positive things in my life, I need to put positive things in my, in my brain. And for a while I listened to a lot of true crime podcasts. Um, (laughs) and then I started to feel like, Oh my God, somebody's in the house. And I started to have a lot of uh, fear. And I was like, this is not what I want in my life. So I stopped listening to true crime podcasts, but I, at this time I was, and my husband like nudged me and he goes, I'm listening to this new book. You have to listen to it. And I said, okay, I I'm kind of listening to this. I want to find out who the killer is. Can I just finish this? And he goes, no, 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 no. You've got to jump off right now. This <laughs> right book now. is amazing. And um, we were like really big on Tony Robbins because we had just gone to Unleash the Power Within. We've gone to Date with Destiny, uh, Life and Wealth Mastery in Fiji. And so uh, we were like all about Tony Robbins. We were Tony Robbins. We were drinking the Kool-Aid. So he had written the foreword for this book and it was called The Emotion Code by Dr. Bradley Nelson. And so my husband was like, this is right up your alley. You need to listen to it. And basically Dr. Bradley Nelson is a chiropractor who was adjusting people and realizing that no matter how many adjustments he made, they were still complaining about pain in their body in certain parts of their body. And he somehow um, by using magnets, um, he realized that um, our energy is a magnetic energy and it's sometimes out of alignment. And so by using magnets, we can uh, find where this 
negative trapped emotion is, where what you, where you trapped it, like for example, um, how the whole procedure is, not procedure, how the whole system is, because uh, I don't touch you, <laughs> how the whole system is, is I tap into your subconscious mind and your subconscious mind is a record of your past. Just think of it as a supercomputer that has every file of everything that's ever happened to you. And so, for example, if at 10 years old, you were bullied and called fat and you felt humiliated at that moment, your subconscious mind traps that negative emotion of humiliation so that you will never feel that way again. It, it tries to help you. What your subconscious is trying to do is guard you. Protect so you. protect you like, oh, let's remember this so that when we feel like this, we will shut down or get triggered or fight or flight yeah. or, you know, or, you know, escape or whatever. And so, um, you trap that emotion. So what I do is I tap into your subconscious. I figure out what the trapped emotion is at what year you trapped it and whether or not it was you who trapped it, whether or not it was an absorbed, meaning you were next to somebody who was dealing with like pain and suffering or whether or not it was inherited towards you. So like when you're what? in your baby, yeah. So when you're in the belly, and your mom's going through some sort of shit and she's experiencing negative emotions, you will feel the negative emotions in the belly. And if when your mom was in the belly and your grandma was experiencing some negative shit, then your mom had it and then she transferred it into you. So it's inherited. It goes from generation to generation to generation. And so and you're like, Boop. <laughs> yeah. And so then we release, we release it from you. We release it from your mom, we release it from anybody. Um, it, we figure out whether it's on your mom's side or on your dad's side, how many generations back. Um, and then we also just, we release it. And, you know, at first you're thinking, this is sounds so like, some. I'm like, how long does this take? <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is some weird shit. Does it really work? Right. I'm in it. <laughs> and I'm the type of person, like I said, I'm a researcher. Like I will try anything. Like I've tried in my healing journey. I have tried tuning forks. I have been to uh, float tanks. I've been to a shaman. I've done tarot cards. I spent years in the church years in the church. Like I would go to church three times a week, read the Bible. I mean, I have done everything to try to find healing, you know, acupuncture, everything. And so I was like, I'm going to try this. And so, uh, I was really skeptical at first, but she released 15 trapped emotions from my body. And she did my husband and my husband did, I think you weigh yourself before and after. (laughs) (laughs) No, she did. um, My husband did a couple. I don't remember if it was 10, but I kid you not. My husband and I didn't fight for two months, two months. What? (laughs) Because what happens is, you know, these little things that you're trapping are triggers. So even though this happened to you when you were 10, if he does or says something to humiliate you, trigger, trigger, trigger. So then you react and you attack. And so you start to like protect yourself because that's what your subconscious mind is trying to do. So I had all these triggers that I was unaware of. And my husband had all these triggers that he was unaware (laughs) of. And so when we released those negative trapped emotions, we had no more triggers. And we were in this place of just like being. And so for two months, we didn't fight. And then when things started to happen again, we did another session. And again, it started to go down. And it's because we're like an onion and we have years and years and years and years and years of trapped emotions. So once you release one, another one shows up. Once you release another one, another one shows up. So 
I've had several emotion code sessions on myself. I'm really close friends with my emotion code practitioner. <laughs> um, but I too, I uh, decided I wanted to be a practitioner because I wanted to help others. And so um, I became certified. And so now with my coaching program, I offer my clients three emotion code sessions. Um, but I also do emotion code sessions just on their own. If somebody doesn't want to be my, uh, you know, coaching like client. Huh? Yeah. Like and it's all, stuff? it's all through the phone, all through the phone. So like we would get on a call like this. I tell my clients, if you're going to do a motion code session, you must be hydrated because your brain needs to be completely hydrated. Um, I have to be completely hydrated. So sometimes I'm like, I, I can't do you. Sorry. I, I had a fun time with wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I have to be completely hydrated. You have to be completely hydrated. You have to give me permission to tap into your subconscious. And then I just go and start asking your subconscious questions. And then what happens is the memory um, is brought from your subconscious to your conscious. So for example, I had somebody who said, uh, I said, you had the trapped emotion of feeling unloved at the age of 15. And at that moment, I started to feel like I couldn't talk. Like I was like, I can't hold on one second. Like I'm all of a sudden I have all this saliva on my throat and I'm not even doing anything. I'm not even drinking anything. And I said, hold on, I have to take a drink. And then I said, does that memory come, does anything come to mind? Cause that's once we figure out what the trapped emotion is, what age it was and who was it that trapped it, whether it was you, whether it was absorbed or whether it was generational. And most of the time it's you. And I was like, you trapped the negative emotion at the age of 15 feeling unloved. Does that come to mind? Now, most of the time your subconscious will bring that memory from your subconscious to your conscious mind. And you'll know exactly what it is. Yeah. Sometimes you don't remember. Like for me, when I was doing one, she said at the year age of seven, you trapped the emotion of disgust for men. And I'm like, I don't remember age seven. I have no clue. Yeah. But you have after your sessions, you have uh, 24 to 72 hours to process all of that. Some people get really tired and they take a long nap. Oh, yeah. And then some people go through all the emotions. <laughs> So for me, like that day that she like let go of 15 emotions, I was like a blubbering mess. I was just like, like everything. Yeah. It's just because just imagine you as a sponge and I'm squeezing these emotions out. So it's like they're just coming out of you. They're coming out of your psyche. So um, anyways, going back to that girl, um, she stayed quiet as I took a drink of water. And she said, at 15, I tried to commit suicide and I swallowed pills. And so that's why my like, throat was feeling that yeah. it was really weird. I was like, whoa, this is like, this maybe works. this is real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this so works. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, this works. So the more that I did sessions, the more that I really like felt like this really does work. And don't get me wrong out of all the sessions I've ever made. I've probably had two people that said they didn't feel a thing and that's okay because I have tried everything myself, like Reiki. Some people are like, Oh, I love Reiki. I've tried it. I was like, give me my money back. I didn't feel yeah. a damn thing. Right. So yeah. everything is for whoever it works. There's that's why there's so many different healing modalities yes. yeah, because some things work for you and some things don't work for you. Like my husband tried EMDR, um, which is a therapy for you the to eyes. figure out. Yeah. The eyes yeah. that never worked for him, but for whatever reason, emotion code works for him. So it's like, whatever it is that you're trying to do, if you're on your healing journey to try to like, let go of your past to heal the, all the darkness parts of your soul, try everything, you know? Don't give up until you finally find that place of solace and peace within yourself. 
you know? Um, I was like, I wanted to Google it, but I was like, no, I think it will sound cooler if it comes from her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's been, it's been a long, like two and a half years since I started all of this. Um, and it, it just came from like, I wanted to do a podcast, you know? And then it was like, okay, I followed my own intuition. I did it. I knew that I was completely out of alignment doing sugar and spice and not so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started doing journey of a fearless female, like I wasn't expecting to be a coach. I was just learning my own healing journey, you know? And then I realized everybody needs to know this. So I started teaching and I was doing it for free for a long time, actually. (laughs) And then um, I started to realize that if there's no skin in the game, if people don't invest in themselves, they don't do the work. So that first group that I had, the 12 um, success principles with Jack Canfield, I started with 10 girls. By the 12th success principle, I had one. one. Yeah. Because if you don't put money in, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to show up. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I don't really need this. But when someone invests in themselves, they're looking for their return on investment. So they're going to do the work. They're going to show up. And a lot of my clients have seen remarkable results. And so here I am, I'm like doing this because I want people to like change their lives and it actually is helping them change their lives. And so I was like, well, this is working. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, and, and I just tried everything. Like I was talking about this to my friends the other day. So I did my very first course and it was like 90 days sign up. And I was like, it's going to be $497. Cause at the time I had hired a coach and she told me $497. If that makes you feel good, charge that. And I had five women signed up. So here's my Apple watch going 497, 497. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. I just made $1,500 in like less than an hour, you know? And then I had two other women sign up and we did the whole 90 days. And, And here's another thing where people think like, you have to have your whole program all done before you even try to sell it. I sold a program that I had not even created yet. Like I had an idea of what I wanted, but I had nothing in writing, nothing like at all. And these people that I was like, I'm going to sell this program. I had nothing. I just would send them a link to Venmo because I had nothing in place. I just wanted to teach. And so what I did was I did that whole 90 days. And every day that we were going to meet that day, I was working on my slides. Like that day was the day that I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to teach them today. You know, and I worked on my slides and every time the class was over. They were like, that was amazing. And I'm like, little did you know, I just barely put it together two or three hours before, you know? And then when the 90 days was going to finish, they were like, so what's next? Like, and I'm like, I don't, I don't really have anything next, but I'll make something up, you know? And I was like, okay, the next thing I just reading this book and you know, the greatest salesman on earth, we're going to do a a book read on that. And we're going to apply his principles, you know? And so I did that. And then after that, they were like, okay, so what's next? And I'm like, I really (laughs) don't have, you know? And so every book that I read that I felt had so many amazing nuggets of wisdom. I was like, I'm going to create a course on this and I'm going to sell it. And it worked every single time. Now I like, I've come so far where I actually have a contract. I have a questionnaire for my client. I have the PayPal invoice already set up. I have an assistant who helps me. You know, I send them a welcome package with fearless female shirts and journals and pins. But all of that came with like so many failures and mess ups. Like it wasn't like, oh, I had everything all perfectly aligned. No, I stumbled my way through. 
until I figured everything out. And then I realized, okay, now these are my systems that need to be in place. And so if you're sitting there thinking, I have to have everything perfect. I have to, I love when people say like, oh, I'm stuck on my logo. Uh, my favorite person is Bethany Frankel, <laughs> who Bethany, if you could look up Bethany Frankel's original skinny girl logo, uh -huh. it was Comic Sans font. Uh -huh. And it was like this ugly, like it was the ugliest logo you've ever seen. But this woman is a billionaire. She didn't get stuck on the Comic Sans logo and said, I'm just right. going to get stuck here and never go forward. She was like, who cares? The thing is, is that people don't understand is that you are allowed to rebrand yourself at yes. any moment. Yes. At any moment throughout the entire time. I I know people have rebranded themselves five times, you know, and people are like, oh, fearless female. That's so cool. Like you, like you, you know, got the best name and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I happen to be lucky. But if you started with something and you hated it, you could rebrand yourself. Nothing in this whole entire life says that once you make a decision, you have to stick with that decision right, for the rest forever. of your life. Nothing. We are not trees. We are water. We can move. <laughs> like we that, can transform. Yeah. We could be ice. We could be steam. We, we could be anything. And that's the thing. It's like, we are not trees. We are not stuck. We are not immovable. We are not limited. We are unlimited beings having a human experience, which is one of my favorite Wayne Dyer quotes. So, <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> I, my favorite thing about you is that you're so passionate and authentic. Aww. And I think that really reads just this whole episode. And it's like, I wanted, I remember I wanted to reach out to you. I was like, no, I need to wait until I know what I'm doing because I first started recording these years ago and I, I knew I wasn't on the path I was supposed to be. And mm -hmm. then finally one day I was like, fuck it. This is yes. perfect. And so I was just, I told my friends, I sent it to them and I told them I'm not looking for fucking feedback. So don't tell me. Yes. Like, let me be the in charge of my feedback. And as I grow, I'll grow, but I don't know until I know. Exactly. Nobody knows until they know. And it's for no you. one. Yeah. Right. I read that in a book actually. Um, what's his Bob Proctor. And um, I forgot what the name of the book is, but he said, and I even wrote it down. He says, no one is successful until they become successful. Right. No one. So no like one. everybody who's preaching right now, like anyone who's a coach, any it's because they've already been through the fucking mountain. They've already cut their legs. They've already broken their yes. bones. They've already <laughs> fallen down the traps. Like, you know, now they're on the top of the mountain and we're reaching down and pulling everyone back up. That's what having a coach, a mentor, a, you know, a guide does for you in life. You could do it on your own. I fucking did it, it on a my lot own. longer. It yeah. took me a long, I'm 41, you know, it took me a long ass fucking time to realize that I can create my own destiny. And it took me a lot of nights crying in bed, a lot of nights contemplating suicide, a lot of nights taking drugs and alcohol and sleeping with all the wrong men. You could do that girl. But I'm telling you, you could also uh, skip it. Right. You could skip it and hire a coach and hire a mentor, hire a guide that's going to help you navigate this. And the reason why it's so important is because a lot of us out there didn't grow up with functional, stable, intelligent, you know, well rounded parents. We didn't. So we didn't have our guide, our spiritual mentor. We didn't have anybody in our life to show us the way. Yeah. So now reach out. There's a coach for everything. Like I was talking to my best friend who suffers from postpartum depression 
I'm like, I, I actually just interviewed a woman on my podcast who suffered from <laughs> postpartum depression. And she is now a coach for women who, you know, do postpartum depression. She's like, really? And I'm like, yes, the resources are out there. They really are. And a lot of it is free. Everything that I've learned, I've learned from books and from going to conferences. Conferences aren't free, but books are, podcasts are, YouTubes are. The information is out there. You could spend hours and hours and hours reading and years reading and collecting this knowledge, or you can find someone that already has it in a well thought out program that you can take. So yeah. well, the like choice said- is yours. And then when you pay for it, there's skin in the game. Like yeah. I coach people, but I also pay for a coach and right? I know my coach pays for a coach. And I'm pretty sure that her coach yeah. also pays for her coach. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My husband, um, if you've ever read the book, rich dad, poor dad, my husband's mentor is the rich dad mentioned in that book, Keith Cunningham. And he was telling us like, even the highest level athlete has a coach, has one or two coaches. Kobe Bryant had a mindset coach and he had a coach that, you know, helped him with his game. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's all different facets of your life. You have to have someone helping you. Like, why not? You could do it yourself. I mean, I did it myself, but it took me years. It took me years, (laughs) you know, right. Or I just did it the fast way. Eventually when I started to have enough money and realized that I can invest in myself, I started to invest in myself and going to all of Tony Robbins events, going to see Oprah, Jack Canfield. It was fun. But at the same time, like, I wish I would have known this when I was 20 years old, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) I would have, I would have saved myself in so many tears and so many heartbreaks and so many different like tantrums and anger bursts and God, I probably could have given myself a hernia from all this (laughs) shit that I went through. Right. But now here you are though. Yeah. Now here I am. Spiritual mentor, empowerment coach, personal coaching, emotional code sessions. Yeah. Podcasting. Yes, all of it. And I have a shop. (laughs) I started a fearless female shop because I truly believe in the things that you put on your body. Um, And this is another thing that I learned from Dr. Emoto. Um, He did, he's no longer with us, but he did an an experiment on water. Sorry, hold on. Let me take a drink. (laughs) (laughs) He did an experiment on water. And um, he put in a bowl water with rice, three bowls, one bowl. He told the bowl, I love you. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You know, all positive words on the second bowl. He told the bowl negative words. You're a piece of shit. You don't, you're worthless. Nobody loves you. And then the other bowl, he neglected, didn't say a word to it. The bowl with the first water of rice fermented and it started to smell beautifully. The second bowl um, started to mold and it started to you like turn gross and just disgust, smelled bad. And the last bowl, the water with rice turned black, completely black. And I've done so much research on, you know, the power of words and the power of, uh, you know, because I always say to people, physical abuse can be erased because they heal the bumps, the bruises, the scratches, your hair grows back, everything heals. But mental abuse, the words that were said to you are seared in your brain. And for whatever reason, we repeat those words over and over and over and continue to abuse ourselves for years to come. 
So the power of words, the way we speak about ourselves and the way we speak about ourselves in our mind can really have an effect on who you are. And so after doing a lot of research in this part, because I'm telling you, I go down these rabbit holes where I'm like, (laughs) I want to figure it out. Um, I realized that like the words that you put on your body and the words that you put on your own water, like for example, my water bottle says love and grateful really change the the water molecules. And we are 70% water. So if on our bodies, we're wearing like skulls and like hatred and like anything, those people tend to have a low vibrating aura. But people who are wearing things that say love and gratitude and joy and, uh, or, you know, those people are vibrating at a higher frequency. And the same with water molecules. If you in your water, and he even shows it in the video that he would put water um, and would like put like hard rock music towards it and then f- freeze it, it would make this ugly little thing. But if he put like Mozart, and freeze it, it would make a beautiful little snowflake. And we are made of water, which is why when we abuse, when we say negative things to a child or when we neglect the child, do you know that 99% of the people in jail were neglected or verbally and physically abused? I believe it. And that's the reason why they hurt other people. So I truly believe that her people hurt others. And I truly believe that we should do our best to vibrate at the highest frequency to be in complete alignment of what our soul was meant to be and to help others. So I created a shop that has a whole bunch of like positive sayings on t-shirts, sweaters, jewelry, because it's good to have that on your body so that you can live in a higher frequency than a low frequency. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Let's wrap it up. I appreciate your time so much. I know. You're oh my gosh. Thank out. you. And uh, I did it. <laughs> you did it. I'm so proud of you, Christine. I'm so happy. Even though it took two years, I'm happy you're here because yeah. some people never move forward. So I was like, yes, she finally started her podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How to get right within inside, yeah. outside, you know, exactly. As long as you're doing it, you're doing it more than a lot of people would just talk about it. So that's good. That's right. I'm proud of you, girl. And I love All seeing right. you on Facebook and Instagram. Your baby is so cute. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. You guys already know what to do. Like, comment, subscribe, and share with your motherfucker friends. Bye.